Chapter Twelve of Alice or the Wages of Sin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simona Russo. Alice or the Wages of Sin by Frederick Warden Pangborn. Chapter Twelve: The Storm Cloud Bursts. Could we but know the working of our deeds, but tear the veil apart and see the end. The horrid climax of some petted scheme might turn us from a foeman to a friend. Woe, 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 all cometh clear at last. O light, may this my last glance be on thee, who now am seen owing my birth to those to whom I ought not, and with whom I ought not in wedlock living. Christmas Eve, Albert and Alice had arrived home the day before, and to-night were to be present at a social gathering in Mr. Dodger's house. It was early, as yet, and Albert had gone out for an hour to attend to some matters in which Santa Claus and the children are supposed to be jointly interested, leaving Alice in her pretty little room. Alice was very happy to-night, happy in her love, happy in the love of her husband, and happy in her peace of mind and purity of soul. The little cloud which had dimmed the glory of her sunshine for a brief time had vanished entirely during her wedding tour, and Albert had been himself again. She sat in the pretty little easy chair which he had given her, and glancing about the room, with its every colour and fitting bespeaking, not only the good taste of its furniture, but his love for her, was filled with this happiness unspeakable. Here, in this sanctum sanctorum of their little home, would they pass the happiest hours of their lives here they would read together hear talk in soft tones of their mutual joys and here it might be they would retire together in sorrow here she would be loved by the husband whom she worshipped as the women of the mythologies worshipped their god-lovers here her children would be born here their proud father would first gaze upon them and upon her with that tenderness which comes to manhood at the birth of its offspring and the safety of its best beloved here should be her home her rest her holy of holies thus she sat dreaming in the innocence and purity of her woman's soul did you ever see a gentle dog in company with its master gazing at him with that trustful fondness so common in the dog when it has a kind ruler how happy the creature seems in this perfect faith someone unseen now discharges his murderous gun at the unsuspecting creature and the death-dealing bullet pierces its side note the change from joy to misery the sudden turning with rage at the person who has intended the wrong as it thinks to its beloved master then let it slowly dawn upon the creature's mind that it is the master himself who has done this wrong and it may flee from him in terror but it loves him still it is a theme worthy of a poet's pen such is the love of woman for the man who having won her affections wrongs her as alice sat thus musing in her room a servant announced that the poor woman was without who wished to speak to her she said she must see you herself ma'am said the maid let her come into the reception-room said alice i will see her there she went below in a minute and in the room met a tall finely built young woman very shabbily dressed her face bore traces of beauty but it also bore the marks of incurable disease what she might have been it was difficult to imagine but handsome she certainly had been alice motioned her to a seat but she refused with a nod and remained standing 
are you the wife of albert thornbury inquired the visitor yes do you love him very dearly what do you mean by such questions as these said alice calmly but flushing at the manner of the stranger no matter what i mean replied the woman i have something to tell you if there is anything i can do for you said alice there is nothing you can do for me said the woman i have a letter for your husband that is all i believe you are a woman who would not tell a lie you look like one i should hope so then if i give this letter to you you will deliver it to your husband certainly will you also read it first yourself i do not generally read my husband's letters then you cannot have this one but why should i read it pray because it concerns you more than it does him very well i will read it then and i wish you to read it now it is not sealed as you see read it now and the woman handed her a stained yellow piece of paper in an equally much stained envelope and stepping back a pace waited for alice to read as alice read the blurred and faded writing the woman watched with evident intense interest the letter was dated october the eighteenth over eighteen years before and read as follows dear albert the end is at hand deserted by you and left to perish alone i have borne all that i can bear i do not ask you to think tenderly of me you have used me too cruelly for that but i want you to know what has become of our baby for she is our baby born in true wedlock whether you own her or not i have left her at the house of my father's old friend in the hope that my sister will take her and be good to her she will never know whose child she is caring for but i have placed my locket the one which you gave me when you loved me upon her neck with a note requesting that she be told when she grows up that she must always keep it for her mother's sake you will know the locket and should you ever find her be good to her for she is your daughter and injure her not for the sake of her mother whom you destroyed i shall never trouble you again i go to meet my god to-night may he forgive you for the wrong you have done your wife mary morton thornbury the letter was addressed mr albert thornbury care dodger and company london alice read the letter in a bewildered way not half comprehending its import but she knew that it was brought for the purpose of doing her husband harm and it angered her have you read it said the woman i have said alice and i desire that you villain liar forger as i am sure you are leave my house at once you promised me and i will keep my promise cried alice flushing with anger my husband shall have the letter and will probably know how to deal with the blackmailer who originated it leave me at once certainly madam with pleasure if you should want any witnesses as to the genuineness of the letter there is an address throwing the card upon the table good evening and the woman went quietly from the room somehow the sight of that pure girlish face unnerved her and deprived her of all desire to see her suffering it will be enough to know that he is punished she said to herself as she went forth into the snowy night she loves him she loves him she muttered and my god so do i and she hurried away alice now that the woman had departed began to think she read the letter carefully to the end 
it did not as yet enter her mind that this could be anything more than a scheme to levy blackmail upon her husband but nevertheless there was one passage in the letter which puzzled her perhaps it was only coincidence but it was strange of her own birth and parentage she knew nothing excepting that she was an adopted daughter and more than that she never had asked to know the impression on her mind was that her parents were both dead long ago mr and mrs dodgers had been father and mother to her and it had never occurred to her to think of any others as being such but one thing in that letter troubled her not that it occurred to her to connect her husband with it in any way but because it was a queer coincidence she did have a locket which had come into her possession in a manner similar to that described in the letter mrs dodger had given it her on her tenth birthday and told her that it had been left for her by her mother with a request that she would always keep it for her mother's sake more than this mrs dodger had never told her and alice had supposed that this was all that she knew the locket was a peculiar trinket quite large heart-shaped curiously engraved and studded with a row of small diamonds and bearing the inscription till death does us part in french how could the writer of this vile letter have hit upon such an odd coincidence she went to her jewel case and got the locket and almost for the first time in her life began to wonder who her mother was and to speculate upon the mystery of her parentage and had almost forgotten the disagreeable letter in her meditation upon the other topic when albert entered how handsome he was fresh from the winter air with a bright sparkle in his eyes as he laid the mysterious christmas bundles upon the table slyly hiding one in his pocket and came to her he leaned over her and gently kissed her beautiful hair he did not see the letter on the locket for they lay in the shadow and he was too intent in gazing upon the dear face that he loved to notice surroundings why this look of worriment on my pretty face said he noticing the expression of her countenance oh albert such a visit as i have had since you went out a strange woman came to me and brought a letter which she said was for me to read and give to you a horrible blackmailing letter and i have been so angry over it to think that any one could expect to make me think ill of you darling here you can read it and then throw it into the fire or keep it as evidence to catch the villains if they ever come again and with love trust faith and confidence depicted in her bright eyes she handed him the letter he took it with an expression of curiosity and began to read it carelessly at first then slowly and attentively an expression of pain and regret came over his face so that alice said oh don't let that thing worry you nobody is going to turn me against you dear true darling he replied it is foolish to mind such sneaking things as this he had composed himself by this time remembering the presence of his wife but he was thinking with painful intensity for him there was no doubting the genuineness of the letter the handwriting of mary morton he knew at once and this this letter brought on a christmas eve in the honeymoon of his only happy marriage was like a visitor from the grave it explained nothing clearly but it told him that mary was without doubt dead and he told him also that there was someone in the world either a living child of his own or a grave containing her remains which were this child alive how much might she know or not know 
Mary's letter told him that the child, his babe, had been left at the house of Mr. Dodger. Neither Dodger nor his wife had ever mentioned the fact. It would not be like Dodger if he knew that such was the case to hesitate to tell him, Albert, about it, and to censure him soundly for the whole affair. Probably it was Mary's intention to leave her babe there, but something had prevented and again, how came it happen that the letter should be so long delayed and then delivered in such a manner? That certainly did look like blackmail, but the writing it was surely that of his first girl love. Could Mary have known Cora? No, that was impossible. Yet somehow he began to think that Cora might have been the bearer of the letter, and he was pondering over this when Alice speaking aroused him from his thoughts. Anyhow, he thought, she shall never know that it is anything but a spurious document. Never mind the letter, dear, said she. But let me tell you something singular. You see the letter mentions a locket left by a mother for her babe. You know, I am only an adopted child of Mr. Dodger. And is it not strange that, as a coincidence, I should have a locket, which my mother left for me, with an injunction similar to that described in this foolish letter? See, here it is, dear. You have probably never noticed it, as I seldom wear it, fearing that it might be lost. And she placed a locket in his hand. Albert took it mechanically. His thoughts had begun to become strangely confused while his wife was speaking, and looked at it at first quickly, then with a steady gaze full of amazement, terror, and conflicting emotions. Alice was frightened at his appearance. She started to speak, but he moved his hand in a manner which stilled her at once, and filled her with a nameless fear. For a long time Albert gazed upon that locket. He knew it well. It was one made to his own order for Mary Morton nearly twenty years before, and he knew it. His gift to Mary, Mary's gift to her child, to his child, and the gift to his wife from her mother. There could be no doubt. The beautiful woman before him was his daughter. He looked at her, a searching, piercing look that chilled her heart, and as he looked he began to see a resemblance, faint but true, to the sweet girl whom he had basely ruined and deserted. Thought after thought came pouring over his mind, and as the truth, the terrible truth of bold facts, became clear, a sound of anguish such as few ever utter burst from his lips, and with a cry like that of the fate-stricken Oedipus, a cry of horror and anguish, he rushed from the room, and Alice heard him hurrying through the halls and into his library, closing the door behind him. Then all was still. How long she remained there, in terror, she never knew but she was aroused by the entrance of a servant who said that Mr. Dodger was below and had come to ask what delayed her and Mr. Thornbury so long. Alice had always loved this strangely bluff old gentleman as a daughter should, and she went to him at once. We had begun to think that you were sick, daughter, he said as he kissed her. Why have you not been at the house? And where is Albert? Filled with a nameless terror, she handed him the letter and the locket, and fleeing from his presence, before he could restrain her, she hurried along the hallway to the library. She opened the door gently and entered the room. He was not there. On a table was a note which he knew at once to be for her from her husband. It merely told her to read some letters which were laid on the table, and she would know all. There were two of them, and they were in the same handwriting as the first received that evening, and bore the signature, Your loving wife, 
Mary M. Thornbury. Slowly and surely the light began to dawn upon her clouded thoughts. Mary Morton, her baby, his baby, left with Mrs. Dodger. The locket, herself, herself and the locket. The locket and Mary Morton. Mary Morton and Albert Thornbury. Her husband. As to a man walking in the dark along a road, the flash of the lightning reveals the sudden presence of a deadly serpent in the act of springing at him, so at the silent mention of her husband, the whole truth flashed upon Alice. It was all true, the letter was genuine, and he knew it. Her husband was her father. She was his daughter, basely deserted in her infancy, to be more basely debased in her womanhood. A sickening horror filled her high-bred soul. Her head was all afire within. Her brain seemed filled with horrid fumes. A sense of loathing for herself came over her, and with a moan of woeful timber, she staggered across the room, and parting the drapery between the library and reception room, stopped on the threshold, transfixed by a sight which met her gaze, a sight to touch in hatred's self with pity. Albert Thornbury lay upon the floor, dead. With a cry of love, for love will live when other senses are dead, she fell upon the corpse and covered it with kisses. Surely she might love him now that he was dead. But a second thought came. Mary Morton was dead, and Mary Morton was his wife, while she, what was she? Worse than anything of which society can conceive, worse than the commonest of the common, lower than the lowest, Hastily rising, she hurried to her room, just as Mr. Dodger, who had been trying to make something out of the letter which she had given him to read, entered the parlour and found the dead body of his partner lying upon the floor. With the help of a man-servant, whom he summoned quickly, he carried Albert to his room, summoned a doctor, and took possession of the house. He sent for his wife, and then, telling her briefly what had happened, sent her in search of Alice. Then he read the letter again, and also those found in the library, thought a while, and perceived the truth. As he roused from a chair, with a heart heavier than he had ever known before, his wife met him at the door, her face full of terror and her eyes running with tears. Alice was nowhere to be found. She had fled. End of chapter 12